This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Larry and Fidan. Hardesty for Grasso on 98.7 ESPN. Second hour of the show. First hour, we talked a little football. Now we turn our attention to some round ball. And for that, uh, I don't know how he was able to pull this off. But Christian Winfield, who does a phenomenal job covering the Nets for the Daily News, was able to miss a probably very chilly night at the home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland to join us here on 9870 ESPN. Happy holidays, my friend. How are you? Happy holidays. You know, I'm warm. I'm bundled up in my apartment watching this game from home. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Enjoying some hot chocolate. Hanging out. Watching the Kyrie Irving go off in the second quarter. 13 points in the second quarter pretty much alone. Uh, three threes. He's going off. Uh, let's talk some Nets basketball. You like what you're seeing? I am impressed with what I'm seeing, and I'm going to ask you the question because I, I, you know, with all the, with shall we say a very eventful off season, sure. and shall, <laughs> and shall we say a reasonably eventful first month of the season, sure. um, Jacques Vaughn could, in some cases, be coach of the year because of what he was able to change with getting these players and team going in the right direction uh, I mean they have responded to him Christian am, am I wrong I mean you're I'm on the outside what do you see on the inside you know um I, I wrote this piece uh for the Christmas Day edition of the New York Daily News and the subtitle was was it reads as you know Jacques Vaughn held the Nets players accountable and, and now they're rolling and in many ways it boils down to just that word accountability that's something Kevin Durant said over and over and over this offseason uh, when talking about why he, A, wanted to request a trade and then, B, wanted to call for Steve Nash and Sean Marks' jobs, he didn't feel like people were being held accountable to the same standard that you need to be held to if you're going to win a championship. Insert Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn is not playing. Kyrie Irving said it himself. If you're not doing what you need to be doing on the floor, if you're not playing hard, Jacques Vaughn's going to give you an earful. You know, he's going to let you know. And, you know, I think one thing that kind of stood out or maybe kind of is an embodiment of, the, the, the turnaround this team has had. You know, about a month ago, um, Jock Vaughn, the, the Nets were ranking towards the bottom in rebounding stats, right? And what he did was he went and he found everybody's individual box out percentage and he just read it off. He told everybody what their individual box out percentage was. And Kyrie Irving said, hey, you know, it was embarrassing for him because he was second to last on the team. And just using him as an example, in the last month, Kyrie Irving went from averaging 4.1 rebounds to 6.6. In the month of in the month of December, he's averaging 6.6 rebounds. And rebounding is just such an overlooked thing for a team like this. But the Nets are small, right? You're playing Nick Claxton, you're playing Kyrie Irving, you're playing Ben Simmons. You're going to get dogged out on the on the glass a lot. Uh, against the Bucks the other day, two days before Christmas, they tied Milwaukee 45 apiece on the glass. And for this team to have come that far, I know I'm using this rebounding analogy, but it's kind of just an embodiment of everything that this team has done. They have turned a lot of their weaknesses into strengths. You're looking at them move the ball instead of relying on Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving to score every possession. You're looking at them get defensive stops like they're doing right now against Cleveland. And you're looking at a team that's buying into what its head coach is saying uh, because clearly they didn't want anything to do with what Steve Nash was saying before he, uh, we'll just call it, parted ways with the Nets. So it's kind of just a perfect storm. Partially you're getting guys healthy. Ben Simmons is getting healthy. T.J. Warren is playing well. Um, Joe Harris is out right now, but he had a healthy stretch. Um, but more than anything, this team is buying into what Jacques Vaughn is saying 
uh, and that starts with Kevin. Kevin looks like a happy camper and, and his nets are rolling right now on their way to nine straight wins. So they do need a coach. <laughs> Even because remember, <laughs> oh, you know, I may be coaching, you know, uh, Kyrie may be coaching, Kevin Durant, KD may be coaching, yeah, well, everybody may be coaching. <laughs> but it, it's funny because a lot of players, they do want to be held accountable, right? It seems like it seems like yeah. they want to be that way here. Yeah, you know, what was funny enough was when James Harden requested a trade and ended up in Philadelphia, one of the first things that caught my eye that he said was, hey, who wouldn't want to be coached by Doc Rivers? Who wouldn't want to coach like that, right? When you're looking at guys like, like Jacques, you know, guys clearly respond to him. Number one, it, it, and I think if we just go back to the day Steve Nash was hired, no matter what you say about his Hall of Fame point guard career, which is, I mean, at the end of the day, one of the best to ever suit up and play on a, on a court, to hire a guy who doesn't have any prior coaching experience, not even as an assistant, to be the head coach of a team that has championship aspirations, probably not the best idea, right? You're, at that point, you're really just riding guys like Kevin Kyrie and at the time James Harden into the ground. You say, I'll tell you this, Larry. The win, obviously, yes, the win against the Bucks was huge. But that win in Indiana, when you had no Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving, no Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal, I mean, you're talking about your top seven guys out. And for these guys to go out there with Cam Thomas coming off the bench, scoring 33, you got Patty Mills playing long minutes, you've got all these backups, even an Indiana team that has played pretty above their expectations this year. Um, that was the win that put a lot of fans and just a lot of basketball fans um, on notice, right? If this Nets team can come out, and play hard like they like that group played with nobody of note out there. Can they do things like beat the Boston Celtics and beat the Milwaukee Bucks and and beat the Cleveland Cavaliers and they're up pretty much twenty points at the half right now. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of goes back to like what we were saying. Yes, these guys. Yes, they do want to be coached. Yes, they need to be coached because without that, you, you kind of just got guys thinking that they're going to run the show all day. And yes, that's why you pay guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But these guys need structure, right? And without that structure, you get a season like the Nets have had in the last few years, which is just go out there, try to talent your way to victory. And if not, you know, the offseason comes around and you've got guys looking for a, for a trade request. So, yeah, Jacques Vaughn in many ways saved this Nets season. And uh, I think he definitely deserves some, at least some early year, coach of the year consideration for sure. Christian Winfield is my guest. He covers the Nets for the Daily News. You're listening to the Dan Grosser Show. Larry Harsty filling in for Dan on 98.7 ESPN. All right, so, Christian, uh, what can we expect from Ben Simmons? He seems to be getting more and more involved. He seems to be more comfortable. He seems to be uh, understanding that, listen, I don't have to score here. All I have to do is roll to the basket occasionally. They give me a little pass. I make my layup. Uh, they're asking him to play some, some four and some five on occasion. Everybody knows what his defensive abilities are. Everybody knows about him and, and what he could do with – you know, when he handles the ball, how well he sees the floor. Is this, is from your from your reporting and from all the folks you talk to, are the Nets happy with the Ben Simmons they have right now? And how long do they think they can keep this Ben Simmons? You know, it's interesting. It's, it's, yes, they are ecstatic when you consider how Ben looked at the beginning of the year. Um, and I think it just gets overlooked that this guy had back issues, major back surgery, right? He had a, a minor microdisectomy uh, to remove something in his lower back when he had a herniated disc this offseason. Um, and that takes time to get through, right? And Michael Porter Jr. is a great case of that. That's a guy who's been dealing with recurring back issues 
And he even said, hey, you know, when you're dealing with the back, you're not going to be yourself. You have to wait until you get that explosion, that pop, that athleticism back. And for a guy like Ben Simmons, that's the core of his game. The core of his game is being able to run faster than everybody else, jump higher than everybody else, and make plays because he can see the floor like a guard, but he's six foot ten. Um, you're talking about a guy who had his athleticism robbed because of off-season surgery, so you had to give him time, right? And I even wrote that for the New York Daily News. The headline was, like, fine line, Ben Simmons will get better with time, and lo and behold, here he is. He's playing well because this team understood that they need to push him, but at the same time, you can't push a guy who's still trying to get healthy. So, absolutely, you're talking about that Milwaukee game when he's guarding Giannis on the Kumpo, picking him up at the half-court line. Kevin Durant comes out after the game and says Ben looked incredible. Those, this is kind of what the team envisioned at a certain point Ben would look like, being able to make plays on offense, being able to guard one through five on defense. Um, and, and on top of that, he's not even at 100% yet. He's still saying, hey, yeah, I'm still figuring out how to work through this back thing. You know, it, it, it could verge on scary when he's fully healthy because you're just thinking about you've got a guy who can get a rebound, dart up the floor faster than anybody else, and then either find a shooter or finish at the rim. I think Nets fans are still waiting for him to get that poster dunk because he hasn't had one quite yet in Brooklyn. But once he has that, uh, you're looking at a guy who's rounding in the all-star form for sure. Um, I have always been an admirer of Kevin Durant. Uh, Obviously from the scoring position, but defensively. And I think when he was at Golden State and sometimes in Oklahoma City, you saw him defensively, what he was able to do. Not as much consistently as a Brooklyn Net. But over this last stretch, Christian, he's been an all-around player. I mean, I hear all these folks' name, and, and rightfully so, Jason Tatum, uh, MVP, all this stuff. Sure. I mean, listen, Kevin Durant right now is playing MVP basketball. 100%. You know, it's it's getting to a point where, you know, Nikola Jokic could very well win his third straight MVP, and no one would be upset, and probably no one bad not. The way he's playing – I mean, he's just running out there, averaging a triple-double, it seems. I think he had a 40-point triple-double the other night on Christmas. I think most points in a triple-double ever on Christmas. All right, so if he wins MVP, I don't think anybody could be mad. Um, But Kevin has a case. He's shooting, uh, in terms of his jump shooting, a better, a higher, more efficient percentage than he has at any point in his career. We're talking his true shooting percentage. Um, You mentioned what he's able to do on defense. The playmaking goes unnoticed. I mean, You've got teams sending double and triple teams. You've got teams really just trying any type of funky defense they can to get the ball out of his hands, and he's kind of reading the defense and making the right play. Um, there's no hole in his game right now. He's, and we're talking about a guy who's been playing for as long as he's been playing, who had that Achilles injury that cost him a year. I mean, think about it. Guys who usually rupture their Achilles end up worse off, and he somehow is playing at a high level now playing more minutes, you know, the coaching staff had to find that Indiana game, the reason they rested Kevin and, and Royce O'Neal and everybody else that game was because Kevin was number one in the NBA in minutes, and Royce O'Neal was number two up until they, they rested them that day. So you're still talking about a guy who's really 40 to 45 minutes if you need him to. Um, but at the same time, the most impressive thing about how he scores is that nothing ever really seems sports. He's not going out there taking 30 shots a game. He's getting you 35 points on 20 shots, you know, and, and it's just the level of basketball is, is out of control for him. He's playing at, a, at an all-time level. Um, today he passed Tim Duncan uh, in the first quarter in terms mm. of the all-time leading scorers. I believe he's number 15. Uh, I, I think if he continues at this pace, he's going to be at number 10. Not sure he's going to catch Carmelo this season. I think he'd have to average something like 35 or 40 points a game to do it, but uh, he'll be able to get that next year. It's been fun to watch.
Any concern as we get further along in the season where you have to pull back on these minutes a little bit? Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, especially towards that. And that's kind of, I guess we'll call it a quandary for this next team, right? Because you want to play Kevin. Number It's twofold, right? Playing Kevin, first off, gives you the best odds at winning a game, right? And then on top of that, playing Kevin as many minutes as possible gives the group enough time to get that chemistry, right? You're talking about teams like the Bucks, like the Celtics. Um, even this Cavaliers team, you had Donovan Mitchell, but their core is kind of still a bit intact. The Nets are still trying to figure out how this whole thing works. You've got Royce O'Neal, who's a new piece. Ben Simmons is a new piece. Kevin, you want them to play out there. Kyrie, you want them to play as many minutes, but you also want to load manage them some so that they're fresh for the playoffs. I think once they start getting that seeding locked, remember last season, this is this team fell to 10th before Kevin came back from that, that knee injury, and they had to play him basically into the ground. I don't think that's going to be the case this season. I think we're going to see them stay in that top four, top three area. And once they settle into their seeding, I think you're going to start seeing them wrestling because they know how valuable he'll be for the playoffs. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I, and I hope, Christian, that it's a nice just basketball on the court kind of rest of the season for you going into the postseason <laughs> because the offseason is going to be fun. Who's coming back? Is Kyrie coming? Where's Kyrie going? What's up with Simmons? Is KD? What's going on? Does he want to be back without Kyrie? It's going to be a lot of fun. But for right now, my friend, just enjoy the Nets playing very good basketball and being one of the top teams in the East and in the league right now. Absolutely. Appreciate you for having me, Larry. Happy holidays. All right, same to you. Happy New Year, my friend. We'll talk down the line. My God. All right, this is Christian Renfield giving us his thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets and how well they're playing. I know the Nets are on. Well, give me your thoughts on the Nets and the Knicks. We'll talk a little hoops with you right now. 1-800-919-3776. Also, hit me up on Twitter, at Hardish to ESPN, at ESPNNY, 98 underscore 7 FM. The Dan Grasser Show continues on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Christian Winfield gave us a really good insight as to what's going on with this Nets team. And I'm going to be honest with you. And I know some of you were just like rolling your eyes in your head. Jacques Vaughn, coach of the year, you got to be kidding me. What are you talking about? What? What? Who else has had to deal with your top two players, your franchise guys, having issues, demanding for the coach to be fired, demanding for the GM to be fired, issues with availability of player, and you've got Ben Simmons coming back and you didn't know what you were getting with him, his availability, how often was he going to be? Is he even going to play? And what jumped out at me was while Kyrie was going through his issues and controversies this year with the whole, you know, anti-Semitic thing that was going on. When Jacques Vaughn said, when he comes back, he's got to get in step. Otherwise, he's not going to play. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> When's the last time you heard an NBA coach make a statement like that about one of his top two guys on the team? It's been a while since I've heard it. It's been a while. And 
maybe he felt comfortable because of, of the leverage he had with Kyrie, understanding that Kyrie had to listen. He was ready to come back. Everybody knows the phenomenal talent that he is. We all get that. We know. That's why we wish that the off-field stuff would just go away because we want to enjoy what he, the talent he has on the court. But for somebody, to, for a head coach to come out and say that, and he, remember, he's the interim. He's not the head coach. He's not the full head coach. He's the interim. And for him to be able to make that statement, obviously backed by the Nets front office, Sean Marks and company, that was a major statement for me. And the players have responded. And so uh, I still think they have to make some adjustments. I, they're doing a great job rebounding. That was a great, great nugget that Christian gave us about, you know, what Vaughn did with giving everybody's box out numbers and stuff. When you get to the postseason and the game is more physical, slow down, you're still going to need another body in there that can bang and give you some rebounds. You're going to have to. And that will help them out. But right now, the way they're playing, they're going to be a tough out in the postseason. If they can continue to play like this, and obviously they're not going to win every game. I mean, they're on an eight-game winning streak, and right now, uh, you know, double-digit lead, they're about to go to a nine-game winning streak if everything holds on. So they're going to be, like he said, top three, top four in the East. But I still think they need somebody that, you know, they can bang a little bit with. They're going to have to make some adjustments there. But I give Jacques Vaughn a lot of credit for what he's been able to do. And I would hope that he would get major consideration for keeping this job because of what he's been able to do with all the losses that they've had. They lost a, they lost a bunch of people in the front line, in the front court. A bunch. But they're still able to play. And once again, all that controversy and all that stuff at the beginning of the year, have to give Vaughn and the players some credit because now they just seem to be, oh, people think we're out? All right, let's show them. And when you've got two unbelievably talented players at their position, <laughs> and Kevin Durant is shooting threes like you shoot 10-footers, I, I, I don't see who beats them. I really don't. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take your calls on the Nets and the Knicks next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Talk a little hoops. We start with Dave in Jersey City. Dave, you're next on 98.7. Good evening, Mr. Hardesty. Um, my question with the Nets, I'm confused why Camp Thomas is not playing. Uh, I would say, Dave, it's minutes. Um, I, I'm not sure what Jacques Vaughn has, his, his, you know, his idea of rotation. You can see that Cam Thomas was a player last year when he got playing time. He performed. I thought he was outstanding in the game when uh, everybody sat, all the starters sat against Indy, and he performed well, had a couple of big baskets. So I just think it's a matter of them getting their, you know, their rotation set and thanks for the phone call. And I think that he will get some more playing time as the season goes on, uh, because they're still going to they're going to have to worry about some of the minutes that guys are playing. You heard what Christian Winfield said that, you know, <laughs> the Nets have two had two players who were tops in the league in minutes. Isn't it weird that that's not on a Nick team? We kind of we kind of think about uh, Tom Thibodeau for that, right? Forty minutes a game, where he wears his players out and stuff like that. 
But no, the top two were, were these guys. So hopefully you figure that um, when they are, you know, when when they can get uh, that rotation rolling again, then, you know, he'll get some playing time. But but I understand that you want to see him again. I get it because he's a he's a very good player. He's done he's done some good things for them. He really has. And he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. And the thing I like about him is whenever he does play, he makes the most of his opportunity playing. He really does. So I enjoy that about him. So we'll keep an eye out on the Nets who continue to roll in Cleveland. You know, the Knicks are back in action tomorrow night. And they are in Dallas. And it's going to be interesting to see how they rebound. Bing bong! Now they've had, they were obviously playing extremely well before these last three games. And yesterday was a matter of they were out-talented. Philly's better. You can see it. It It's clear. Now we'll see how long Brunson's going to be able to go. Uh, if he's able to go, we didn't think, you know, you didn't think he was going to be able to play in a game a couple of uh, last week or so. And he came back and was integral in that game. So we'll see what happens. This is, it's so fascinating because you know that Julius Randle is from Dallas. So he loves to go back home. And then, uh, you know, Luca is an all-world player. And obviously, this means something for Jalen Brunson, who's going back to a Mavericks team that he left. So that's going to be a fascinating situation as well. But this would be a nice revenge game for the Knicks. And the reason why I say that is because Dallas came in and they really embarrassed the Knicks. And it was after that game that we started to wonder whether or not this team had tuned out Tom Thibodeau because they weren't competitive at all. They allowed Tim Hardaway Jr. to do whatever he wanted. Luka Doncic was unbelievable. And um, it was just, it was one of those games where you just shake your head and say, you know what? This is over. Now, following that, the Knicks were able to get some momentum and do some things. But, you know, we were talking with the Nets and we are talking about their size. When you look, the Knicks are, their starting rotation is pretty small. They're really starting with a three-guard rotation when you think about it. Because Grimes, even though his versatility to defend just about every position because of his footwork, because of his, you know, leverage and everything, while you understand that, you realize that still, from a jump shooting situation, people just shoot right over him. So with teams that don't have that ability, where they don't have guys that can consistently shoot long and they're not tall, he works well. He does a nice job defensively. And he helps close out on threes. And he and... RJ and Brunson have pretty good communication as far as defending and how they defend the three and how they close out jump shooters. So I think that's one of the bigger differences that you've seen from what the Knicks struggled with earlier, right? That was that was the biggest difference. Plus, when he's hitting the three, 
and Randall's going or Brunson's going and you double him and you leave Grimes open, he can hit that three. And he can put the ball on the floor and hit a mid-range. So for those for those reasons, that's why the Knicks have been so successful during that eight-game streak. And over the last three, they've, they've had kind of an increase in talent, right? And they also had guys that just had bad games. So coming off the game yesterday, I'm very curious to see how they respond in Dallas against a Mavericks team that's very good. They're going to make some noise in the postseason this year. I think they're going to go deeper than they've been because I'm not sure what Golden State's going to do. Obviously, it's early in the season, and you know Steph Curry's going to come back, and he's going to be tremendous as always in his shooting ability. I mean, nobody shoots like him. So you, you understand that and what he brings and the depth he brings to that team, and he brings you know championship pedigree to a veteran roster that knows how to win. And they've been there before and they've done it. And they understand what it takes. But out out West, I still think you have to understand that, you know, Dallas is going to be in there. They're learning how to win. And while they went deep into the playoffs last year, you learn a little bit more, right? You learn a little bit how to, what it takes to win those minutes. You've watched what Jason Tatum learned from going deep into the postseason, from going to the finals and losing to Golden State. And you see how he has responded this year. Now, we'll see what happens when the playoffs begin. Okay, we'll see what happens then. But right now during the regular season, like I said, along with the the Joker, uh, listen, Tatum is right up there yelling for MVP, and he's had a great year so far. He really has. And Boston, and listen, as a Knicks fan from way back, you know, Boston is, Boston, the Celtics to a Knicks fan is like the Red Sox to a Yankee fan. Uh, you know, you just don't like them. <laughs> don't like them. Not, not happy with them. Not a big fan. <laughs> no doubt about that. But I'm very curious to see what this Nick team does tomorrow night and how they go forward. And once again, do I understand that they've got a lot of work to do? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. They definitely do. This is, this is a team that is playing kind of above their heads for the talent that they have. And they definitely need some more help and need some more talent and can't wait to see what is coming at the trade deadline, which will, you know, is in February. So it starts to get serious as we get close another month or so, you start to really start naming some names about who could be coming and who could be going and who's up and who's available, who could be available. So it'll be fun. But for right now, for me, I just want to be able to see what the Knicks are capable of. And this is, if memory serves me correct, the, Texas Triangle, where they do Dallas and Houston and San Antonio, maybe not in that order. But this is, you know, this is the time that they have a chance to get a couple of wins. This team has played better than San Antonio. This team has played better than Houston. I don't know what to expect from them against a very talented Dallas team. But I think with the way they're playing now, Obviously, understanding that this is with Brunson being available. 
understanding how they've played over the past eight, ten games, I would think that they should be able to take two out of three in Texas. Should. I would think they should be able to. Because of, like I said, mainly what they've been able to do defensively. Now, yesterday they just reverted to, you know, old habits and they didn't close out. And once again, it's tougher to close out when you have multiple options. When your opponent has multiple options outside to hit shots. Okay, so you have to pick and choose. You can't lay off somebody and cheat with somebody else. You have to be disciplined in your defense. And that's something they they weren't yesterday. But going forward, like I said, against these three teams, two of the three, I expect wins. Because ultimately, and this is what I'm hoping, that the front office will be realistic in when they look at this Nick team and understand that while there's improvement, while the young players have played well when they've been given the chance, that they still need to upgrade this talent on this team. That even though they're playing, even though this team won eight straight and they looked really good doing that, that that's not that's not the norm. They need to get better. And so you want them to understand that and be willing to move some of the multiple draft choices that they have over the next couple of years to get better. To get another player, as one of the callers said, to get that A player. So that you add that player to a Brunson, a Barrett. You know, you add that player so that you take the next step. Okay? That's what you have to do. Because otherwise, you're spinning your wheels. And you end up doing the same thing over and over and over again. You need somebody better than Randall. You need somebody better than Brunson. You need somebody better than Barrett. And that's how you get better. And then that makes your team deeper. And then there's more options in the final minutes when two of your guys are cold. There is somebody else that you know can get you a basket when you need it and stop a run. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take more of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. But looking in the East, so here are your top six. Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and New York. I would think that ultimately, I would think... Cleveland will probably end up being five. Just me. So I think it ultimately is going to be Boston, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly, Cleveland would be five. One of these other, I don't think the Knicks will be six. They are sixth right now. I don't think they'll be sixth. I'm not sure about Atlanta. There's some stuff going on down there. Okay. Uh, So I'm not sure what's happening there. Uh, The Pacers are up and down. I'm still waiting And forgive me, maybe it's because of covering him. Maybe it's because of his past track record. 
I just got a feeling that Pat Riley is going to do something to get his heat in space, in the, in the right spot. That they're going to ultimately end up being in the top six. I just do. I really do. Now, the Raptors are interesting, too. Their size makes them a factor. No doubt about it. But I'm, you know, and Nick Nurse is from from a defensive standpoint, is one of the top minds in the NBA. From a defender, he is coaching defense. He's excellent. He's excellent. So for that, and they're, they're struggling a little bit. They went through a rough patch, lost three of ten. And so, you know, you wait to see. They've had a bunch of injuries, so you wait to see what happens when their guys get back. The Bulls are going to be interesting because I'm not sure where they are. The Knicks have beaten them two out of three times. Should have beat them all three, to be honest. And there's some talk, you know, reading some thoughts around the league and hearing about they're going to break the team up. They're not sure what they're going to do. You know, are they going to make a move? Are they, are they just going to forget about it? Are they going to see where they are at the, at the trade deadline and make a decision there? So I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens with them and what they decide to make a deal with. But right now, Next is sixth, Atlanta seven, Indiana eight, Miami nine, Toronto ten. Those will be your play-in and top playoff teams in the East. Boston looks virtually unbeatable right now. They're not, but they look virtually unbeatable right now. They just do. When you when you bring what Jason Tatum has brought to the table. And their first year coach, and you talk about going, you talk about overcoming some distractions <laughs> with the Ime Udoka situation at the beginning of the year, and you bring in a new coach, and this team just rolled on like it was okay. So they were able to pick up and and put all that off season, off the court stuff behind them, and they were just. Crazy. And they've been phenomenal. All right, 24 and 10 so far this season. Boston Celtics. However, for me, the question is always going to be in a big spot in the postseason, can Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown coexist with big games? At the same time, you look at last year's playoffs. If Brown was rolling, Tatum wasn't. If Tatum was rolling, Brown wasn't. They have to be able to find a way to coexist, play off each other, and be successful together. That's what's going to get them the NBA championship. Now, they've had opportunities, they've been to conference finals. Multiple times. Marcus Smart along with them. But it's going to hinge on Brown and Tatum finding a way to be good together. And that's what's going to get them what they need. That's what's going to do it. As far as Milwaukee is concerned, listen. They're right there. When you have Giannis... 
who's improved his three-point shooting, who's still dominant going to the basket, who can hit the mid-range, who's now hitting free throws. If they can get healthy, they're very dangerous. They are still very dangerous if they can get healthy. And that's going to be the question. Can they remain healthy? Can they get healthy? Can they get to the point where they bring that same team back that won the title a couple of seasons ago? That's going to be the determining factor, what you see with Milwaukee. Cleveland is interesting because Cleveland is a young team, and they're trying to find a way to, you know, with Garland and Mitchell, how to get things rolling with those two guys and the rest of the young team, the rest of the team around them. So, you know, if they can find a way to get – once they get some more playing time together with – and they look, they're 22-12, so they're doing well now. But in the postseason, it's different. Okay, you guys know that. You basketball fans know that. The postseason is different. So if they can find a way to coexist and do, do some things defensively and their coaching staff is able to make some adjustments and do some things, they could make some noise. They could definitely make some noise. The Sixers we talked about. Okay, you know what happens there. They're a phenomenal team with phenomenal talent. But Embiid needs help. And so who's going to be that next consistent scorer for him? Who's going to be that next guy that he knows, if I have an off night, this is, this is, this is, my, this is my guy that can carry it until I get myself going? Is it Harden? I don't know. And then you hear stories Harden is open to going back to Houston. I'm like, really? Stop that. You're, you're, you're in a, a team that's it's one of the best teams in the league. And why would you want to go back to Houston? I don't get it. I just don't get it. When we look out west, hey, hats off to the Sacramento Kings who haven't been relevant in, I don't know when. <laughs> I want to say Chris Webber. <laughs> this is the last time they were relevant. That's like 105 years ago. But out west, Sacramento right now is the number six seed. So you got Denver and New Orleans, Memphis number three, Phoenix, the Clippers, and Sacramento Kings five. Then elsewhere, Utah seven, Dallas eight, Portland 9, and Minnesota 10. Golden State right now, a game out of, if the season ended today, they would be a game out of the play-in spot. And then there's the Lakers, who are way down. 11, 12, they would be 13th, 13 and 20. And they've lost four in a row, they've lost seven out of 10, and the bottom line for this Laker team is always the case. They can't keep Anthony Davis healthy. Anthony Davis went through a stretch of games where he was just dominant. I mean, you looked at him, and this was the Anthony Davis that helped them win the title in the COVID-shortened season. This was the guy who, nope, he was undefensible. He could hit the three. He was dominant in the paint. He was great off the boards. He was giving them multiple chances. He was great, and that's how he was playing. And then he gets hurt. 
and now LeBron's looking around and it's back on back on him again. So the Lakers are struggling. But when we look at the top of the West, Denver, listen, Joker has a good team. He's phenomenal. He's a great player. I, I think they're going to be the number one seed throughout. I don't see anybody beating them. Okay. New Orleans, uh, Zion Williamson is playing well. I say that. He's playing well. He's been available. He's, he lost some weight. You've actually seen where he is uh, being a factor. They're going to be tough. Memphis with John Morant is really the new hot thing in, in the NBA. And John Morant is a tremendous player. Tremendous. Uh, he's a highlight reel every time you watch him play. He just does things. And with the basketball, he can jump out of his shoes. He's just, he is a phenomenal talent. And even though Golden State didn't have all their folks, you can see that is the new hot rival grudge match in the NBA. It's Memphis and it's Golden State. So whenever they play, it's much watch TV. It's must watch. Whenever they play, you know it's going to be fascinating. As far as the Clippers are concerned, listen, you know what's going on with Phoenix. You know that they're a phenomenal team. They'll be right there. The Clippers, <laughs> if they can remain healthy, they will be dangerous. Maybe Kawhi will play more than a couple of games in a row. It would be nice to see. When we return on the Dan Grasso Show, we'll turn our attention to a little baseball. Pat Ragusa will join us. We'll get some Carlos Correa news. That's next on 98.7 ESPN.